0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Breanne Showman and I am joined today by John Goldthorpe with Fix Your Run. John and I had a great conversation with our intent of getting you to think a little bit differently about why you're injured constantly or maybe even just why you can't quite get past that pace or that distance that you are plateaued at. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. John, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
1: My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You are quite welcome. I'm excited to talk to you because you have a fairly similar perspective as to as I do, as far as like how we truly get these injures injured these runners to no longer be injured anymore and it's a different perspective than a lot of clinicians a lot of coaches tend to think about things so I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you and just really get to people thinking a little bit differently about how they view the the injured runner so so first off I just want you to give a little bit of introduction to yourself who are you sure
1: well I have been a runner for my whole life um Probably like a lot of runners, there, there might have been a gap in there sometime, maybe in college. I got into weightlifting and playing guitar and uh, studying maybe a little bit here and there. <laughs> but uh, but as an adult, I fell in love with it again. And um, as a uh, for, for work, I was a personal trainer and I was really enjoying that. And then at some point, I just decided, you know, maybe I should focus on personal training runners, or how can can I, how can I apply personal training and, and the things that I was learning through that field, especially strength training and mobility work, how can I apply that to runners? Because I think they would benefit quite a bit. And, uh, and they did. (laughs) So it was pretty exciting. Uh, But at some point, um, you know, like most of us we're sort of going along in our careers. And if we're curious people, we're, we're thinking, geez, you know, I'm missing something. I feel like there's more. I feel like i'm helping people but there's something else that I, there's something that i'm missing because i'm not everybody is you know a success story here so so what am i missing so that of course led to <laughs> endless amounts of time and dollars spent on continuing education but it's been worth it it's been worth it but <laughs> but um but <clears throat> along the way um i i really really enjoyed working with runners who uh, who were frustrated because they were getting chronic injuries. And if you are a runner or any anybody who likes to move at all, I mean, if you can't do the thing you love to do, it's extremely upsetting. It's, it's really frustrating. And so I, re- and I mean, personally, I've experienced that many times over my running career. So I was very motivated to help other runners um, <laughs> get out of those, those uh, funks and and get, get on with it to enjoy the sport they love. So, um, yeah, so, so I ended up, um, you know, going through, going, taking a lot of education. And, um, at this point, basically I, I create online, I, I'm an online training coach. So basically I'm working with runners to help them train smarter and communicate with them and reach their goals. Typically they're, they're looking to run competitively in races, but I also work with lots of runners who are frustrated with injury issues and Um, With those folks, I, well, these days I can meet them via Zoom or FaceTime, but I can also meet with them in person when I'm home in Philadelphia. And those sessions are geared towards figuring out what is, what's the underlying cause here. I get it. You have IT band syndrome. Okay, but let's take a look at the whole body and see why does that symptom need to exist right now? there's, there's definitely a reason we're experiencing that. And so our session's geared toward figuring out the the underlying cause.
0: Yeah. That's a big thing. You kind of said it in passing there, but it's a big thing that I, I think is important to point out is that like most of the pain we feel is simply a symptom. Like it's not like you can take the tightness out of X, Y, and Z area all you want, but I'm like, unless you fix the actual, like whatever's causing that, like, it's not going to matter.
1: Yeah, it's a perception. And it's like, <clears throat> I'm sure if you've watched people run on the local rail, rail trail, <laughs> you've seen folks with all sorts of running forms and postures, and guess what? Not all of them are in the game, you know? You, you can look kind of terrible <laughs> if, if I'm going to be a judge. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet, and yet they're fine, you know? Maybe they're running 60 miles a week and feeling good what are we, how do we explain this? And it's because pain, part of it is that pain is a perception that you're experiencing. And too, we all have different histories and different beliefs. And so that can factor into it. Um, so, you know, we have to be mindful of all this when we're trying to help clients. And, um, but what I have been finding is that, um, is that, you uh, <laughs> the mechanical component is is usually a pretty relevant component. It might not be the whole story, it might it might be part of the story, but but quite often um, if you if you improve the mechanics, then the symptoms tend to go away. So, and why not? Why why not improve somebody why not help somebody improve their mechanics because even if now, yes, we want their we want the the perception of pain. We want all that to, to go away and I want somebody to enjoy running, but at the end of the day, even if somebody's not experiencing pain, if you have more efficient movement, then you know, running is easier. It costs less energy, and you will have longer. You know, your longevity will improve. So it's,
0: it's worth it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a it's something a lot of people don't realize. It's like they don't, you know, no, they're not in pain. So why improve anything? Not understanding, like, yeah, if you like that reason you can't get past 10 miles because your running is so inefficient that by the end of 10 miles, you have burned everything 10 times over.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's also interesting, we talked about perception, that topic might come up a bit today because you only know what you know and you're in your body and you feel what you feel and you kind of think, well, this is normal, you know, um, and you don't realize that actually running can probably feel a whole lot more comfortable and the common areas that are stiff—that's not normal. It's common, but it's not exactly normal. So, if we can improve mechanics and move more smoothly, evenly, efficiently, then those types of things subside, and you know you're feeling pretty good.
0: So you're saying the people who hate the running part of OCR can actually like running. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's my specialty yes <laughs> yes exactly I definitely it's funny I, do, I work with a variety of clients I do have probably the bulk of my clients are competitive age group athletes who you know they, they want to do really well against their peers but then I have a, a fair amount of clients who are like I've had I've helped um people who need to pass the the FBI test or they're start, you know starting to run for the first time or I've had people where they've had previously terrible experiences with running and something's driving them to give it one more shot. And then I'm happy they contacted me because you know we're gonna we're ease into it, it and we're gonna address all these little factors that that probably were holding them back, they just didn't realize it.
0: So like when we're talking about factors that are holding them back, um, you know, a lot of people, whether it's working with someone or just go online, find some running drills to work on and kind of do their own thing. It's like the improve running technique. Awesome. It's going well, fairly. Um, but still having these injuries pop up. So what else is going on with the body when it's like, we feel like we've done everything there is to do already.
1: Yeah. Great question. A lot of times um, when you think you've done everything, the reality is you, you haven't, you just haven't, you just haven't explored. You have to keep exploring. Um, that's, that's usually the kind of client that seeks my help is they've tried Googling. <laughs> Maybe they've tried putting a mini band around their ankles and doing their band walks or whatever. I mean, they've tried stretches. Um, but if they're still sort of striking out, you know, keep looking it, the answers are out there. And so some of the things that people overlook, some of the basics in terms of training, it's like train slower, you know? i i i'm thinking of a of a specific client who that who i'm working with um we just started working together and i was following their training on strava just to get a sense for what they were doing and every run was like seven thirty per mile and i know the person's 5k is only like a little bit faster than that so i'm thinking (laughs) okay that's certainly a factor that needs to be addressed here i mean certainly we can talk about their mechanics and their movement but you know, the rules of basic training always apply. And so we want to make sure those are dialed in right off the bat and making sure you're resting enough, recovering enough, and, you know, just putting the right amount of stress on your body that is right for you in that moment. Um, but the thing that usually drives people kind of crazy is when they are experiencing aches of pains or tightness, annoying things like that, that are only on one side of the body. So when somebody gets in touch with me and they're like, oh yeah, I always have, you know, Achilles problems and I ask them to clarify it and sure enough, it's only on one leg. So I'm like, okay, if it's on one leg, then that means it's probably not the training. The training might be exposing the issue, but the underlying, the underlying issue is really that you're bringing some type of um, you know asymmetry you're not moving quite the same, same way on your right the right and left sides of your body something's not moving correctly and so we need to figure out what that is so the hunt begins for what exactly is not able to move very well and so that i would say is one of the missing links for a lot of athletes is first of all they're not aware that they're they're um their joint movement matters most people are kind of focused on stretching things and stretch stretching strengthening and that's cool and i find that that stuff is it's useful in that it um builds resilience however it's unlikely that it's i mean in my experience it doesn't necessarily have that um it's not going to necessarily change your gait pattern and changing your gait pattern involves um having a increasing your awareness. I'll just say that. So I'll I'll give you an example. This is my example. (laughs) Um, And we've, we've all, we all have lots of these examples. I was 15 and I was uh, playing football with my, with my brothers and it was my younger brother, youngest brother's birthday party. So a bunch of 11 year olds tackled me and uh, I sprained my ankle and it was a bad sprain. Like I remember having to go to the hospital. Was it broken? Was it not? And Sure enough, it was just a really bad sprain. It took a few weeks to heal. And of course, I resumed. I think it was indoor track season and I and I got right back to it. But after I felt better. Well, uh, I I would say that I pretty much enjoyed 20 years of injury free running. And then I was 35 and I just had this really annoying knee pain. And dang, I'm Actually, my business, we didn't really talk about it so much. The, the name of the business is called Fix Your Run. <laughs> so I'm thinking, geez, you know, my business is called Fix Your Run. And here, my, my run's totally broken here. I'm like having methane when I run. And I'm thinking I'm training pretty smart. Uh, I'm pretty strong. I can squat a lot of weight. And, and yet, and yet, that right knee, uh, what's going on there? So um, I got assessed, you know, and, and uh, a big piece of the assessment process is your history. And the kind of history that tends to be very relevant in this type of work is not so much the chronic stuff, not so much the running related injuries, it's the the traumas that you experience as a person. And traumas can be most of the, I mean, the, the kinds that are, are obvious are like physical traumas, surgeries, and sprains and breaks and those kinds of things, because those things, um, well, and even, even emotional stressors and traumas, even chemical stressors, if you're, gosh, if you're ingesting... Uh, certain, whatever foods that aren't working with you or working for you, your digestive system probably not going to be very happy. And that's going to have an impact on how your muscles function and how you move. Um, but for the most part, we can just stick to the mechanics and, and just say, okay, sprained my ankle. I had to change how I moved because, you know, it wasn't safe to load that ligament and then forevermore <laughs> for 20 years, um, I walked just a little bit differently. I had no, no idea about this. In my world, I'm always living and you're always living in your perceived center. So you think, okay, I have access to my right and access to my left. But in reality, if you've had, a, let's just say an ankle sprain, your perception has now changed. Your center has now shifted. You lost a little bit of your ability to shift your weight to your right. I had a right ankle sprain. And so um, my ability to put weight into that outer part of the ankle was, was kind of uh, lost a little bit. And so my perception was like, oh, I feel normal. <laughs> I can squat, I'm doing well. I run, I feel normal. Oh, but wait a second, after I run I have knee pain. And then it was getting worse and worse uh, because it was basically the, this was the kind of situation that happens a lot where my compensation, the strategy my body was using it's the time was up, you know, I, you just can only compensate for so long. The same thing with, with uh, getting through COVID-19, like you're, uh, you're turning to uh, Ben and Jerry's at night personal example <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's like all right that that solves one problem but it's not a long-term solution because there will be a cost <laughs> so it's the same same thing with a lot of these like physical traumas we experience is like okay we our bodies are so brilliant we come up with a compensation in the moment you know subconsciously are we weight a little bit differently. we won't put weight into that injury and uh we don't even think about it you know and i felt great i was i remember running into our track felt totally fine but at some point, you know, you, if you want to continue to improve as an athlete, you got to confront these old injuries, likely, or just, you know, you have to go down um, the rabbit hole and, and investigate and figure out, well, what, what could be moving a little bit better? So, yeah, so investigating or um, having, having your mechanics assessed is, is like a really big deal, I think, especially when people are dealing with uh, types of, the types of injuries that tend to recur. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and I think it like I love that you shared your example because it it does bring it to the limelight that like how often I know I often hear a lot like I've been running for 20 years and I've never had any issues like why is this popping up now and and so it like most of our injuries 15 10 15 20 years ago it's like they're going to catch up to you eventually it's just a matter of how and when
1: yeah exactly and
0: you know i
1: man it's just it's it's the more the more i understand about the role Mm -hmm. your movement plays in in your life it's not just the running i mean the running can alert you to the fact that there's a problem which is very helpful i mean even stuff like you wouldn't Necessarily connect it right off the bat, but um, issues. One of my favorite examples is like issues of flow through the body. Flow meaning, think about things that flow, blood flow, lymph flow, the nerves, um, you know, these fluids, um, cerebral, spinal fluid, these things need movement for them to flow. So if you have areas of your body that aren't moving, um, which most of us most of us do. I'm gonna say all of us, actually. <laughs> I have not met a person, none of my colleagues, we've I've kind of served in some of my colleagues, they have not met people who can move perfectly. Not, you know, and that's okay. We just need to move better and work on it. And um, but the thing is like these these other these other types of um, I guess we'll call them symptoms maybe that can arise from a lack of movement. Think about like maricose veins, sometimes um, arthritis is a great example, osteoarthritis, where, you know, that that really tends to gather where you're not moving. And sometimes like clients will say, well, you know, but I run and I walk. Well, yeah, how exactly are you walking and running? You can walk with a cast on your ankle, (laughs) but it's not that efficient. (laughs) (laughs) So you can walk with a spine that doesn't flex to the left very well. You can do it. It's just yeah, not as efficient. And thus, you are you might be prone to some of these long-term consequences of lack of movement. So, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. Um, that's great there. Let's take a quick break to talk about True Nutrition. True Nutrition is a supplement company. And yes, they do have the pre-packaged bulk type performance supplements that a lot of companies have. But what I absolutely love about them are their customized options. You can get protein powder with a wide variety of types of protein in it and choose what flavoring you want on it. And along with that, throw in some different boosts to maybe help decrease your inflammation or improve your endurance, improve your recovery. Really make it for what you and your body needs. And not only performance, they also have healthy food options as well. You can customize smoothies and oatmeal to really be what you want, so it's a very quick and easy breakfast option or even on the go option. So check out everything that they have at truenutrition.com and if you use code GYF, you can save 5% on your order. And you can also check out all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com partners. And now back to our conversation. So we talked about like, yes, your body spent say 15, 20 years compensating for this thing. Now it's like, okay, cool. We know what it is. We got to correct it but then trying to change how your body's moving is a whole other rabbit hole to go down because your body's like, I don't move like this. I'm not supposed to move like this.
1: Yeah, totally. I know. So it sounds like it's possibly impossible (laughs) or or it sounds like really overwhelming. But um, one of the teachers that I've had that, I mean, I definitely need to shout out um, Gary Ward who uh, teaches a course called anatomy motion. It's a huge influence on the work that I do and my process. And um, he talks about, um, he, he sort of has these, quote, laws of human movement. And I figured I, I might just run through a couple of those because it can help you, it can help folks understand how this is possible. Um, and so the first one is just that um, joints act and muscles react. And this was a big game changer. So joint sac muscles react basically means, let's just say your foot hits the ground and your foot, is, as soon as it touches the ground, it starts to pronate and the arches start to flatten out. And that's it, we need that. <laughs> Some people don't like to, they think pronation is a bad thing, but in fact, it's, it's, it's kind of like, You want your elbow to bend and you want your elbow to straighten. So you want your foot to pronate and you want it to supinate. So when the foot pronates, the arch flattens. And so think about the tissues on the bottom of the foot. if the foot bones are flattening and opening on that bottom side of the foot, then the tissues to which they're attached, those tissues will experience lengthening. And when they get to a certain length, they're going to be stimulated by way of movement sensory receptors, they're gonna be stimulated to contract. So what happened there was not, you didn't need to do a uh, short foot exercise or a towel scrunchy exercise. You didn't need to consciously contract your sole of your foot. You just put your foot in a position where you gave those tissues no option but to contract. And that's really what's going on throughout the entire body Our bones are moving and our muscles are essentially catching them and pushing them back in the other direction. So, joints act and muscles react. So, the first thing that I'm usually doing with the client after I figure out what is not moving and I want to encourage it to move, I'm going to make sure that the bones, I'm kind of like using my x ray vision and looking through the muscles and whatever else is in there. And I'm looking to see okay, is that bone? The two bones that I have in mind—very specific. Do it. Are those two bones actually moving the way that you know they should move? If they are, I can simply assume that the muscle or tendon or whatever is going to experience some lengthening, and it will get to the point where the person perceives a, little bit of a stretch or a load, and that's actually the muscle starting to contract, and that's what we're looking for. So that um, that quote law <laughs> that Gary <clears throat> talked about. Uh, it's a big influence in, on this type of work because it's it's been quite a while now since I've I've recommended um, you know some of the some of the traditional strength training exercises as solutions for folks who are suffering from like some of these chronic you know running related injuries, um, and so I'll get them to experience a movement that they hadn't experienced, and what happens then? Is your body um, can tell? So your body knows another one of these laws, which is which is basically like, um, let me rewind. So joints act, muscles react, and I kind of just went into that other one, which is muscles lengthen before they contract. So you want to if you're having a hard time contracting a muscle, you can't feel your glutes <laughs> or whatever other muscle is the muscle du jour. Um, put that muscle in a position where it has no option. It can't do anything other than contract. That is to say, put it in its most lengthened position and the muscle will have no choice but to contract. That stretch sensation, that's the muscle contracting. So, so, um, joint sac muscles react, uh, muscles lengthen before they contract. Um, the body is hardwired for perfection, which is a great one. So when you ask about changing somebody's gait, Sure. It sounds a little bit impossible because it's such an ingrained pattern. However,
0: you know, when you, I don't know,
1: did you ever break a, a lower, like a leg, uh, <laughs> bone or anything?
0: I've had numerous stress fractures and I've had a Liz Frank injury.
1: <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, so we, we got to get you pronating that foot. All right. So um, anyway. Well, the Liz Frank
0: uh, injury was a uh, roll on the trail. <laughs> oh, fun. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, so as you probably experienced, like um, when that injury is, is healing, you know, you can't put weight on it. And eventually you, you, you kind of, um, your gait sort of smooths out as the injury heals. You. And so there's a great example Love. of your body, if it has what it needs, it, it, it can execute the task, you know, just great. And so, um, Let's say that I was walking. I had sprained my ankle. I lost some perception, you know, uh, because I injured the ankle, and now I was bearing my weight a little bit differently. If I take the time, if somebody sort of guides me back into a uh, to moving that ankle and bearing weight onto that foot um, safely, and I'm experiencing the movements that it's supposed to experience, my my perception in that. Um, my perception of the ankle, my perception of bearing weight into that foot, all of that is like really lighting up the movement centers of the brain and um, making um, essentially becoming more aware. And so now when I go walk, let's say I walk down the hallway after doing a little movement like that, I am now walking around with more awareness and your body just knows like, oh, if I can put weight there, that's even easier than what I was doing before. Sure, <laughs> I I will gladly let go of this excess tension because now I can bear weight a little bit more evenly through the foot. So, um, we don't have to dive into all that Gary's laws right now. But but that's that's a great uh, a great way to think of it. It's basically, your body is hardwired for perfection, but you need to provide it with enough of that awareness so that the perfection quote in quotes is possible.
0: Yeah, you know now that you so with you saying that, and I can kind of throw my story in there. Um, After my PRP, after I was out of the boot and finally started like putting weight on my foot again, um, I had a colleague just kind of look over some things and he's like, you are not pronating. I was like, I know, like I need, I'm working on it. But I started noticing, and I don't know how many years I've been doing it for, but I started noticing like just standing in the kitchen, I tended to supinate my feet. So I just started like really being aware of that. So like anytime I was standing, it's like, where are my feet? Where are my feet? Where are my feet? And now I can stand in the kitchen and just like notice like they're where they're supposed to be. So it really is just like a, like it takes an awareness and a retraining process, but like the body is much happier when it's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's part of the, uh, uh, part of the assessment process I, I use currently one of the questions right up front when I'm starting to observe somebody and how they're moving i'll just ask them to stand comfortably and using just their perception just tell me where do you feel the pressure underneath your feet and and just by them sensing in um we can get actually like quite a bit of information so if somebody's feeling pressure um in the balls of their feet and they tell me you know hey i'll just say something like do you feel like you have more pressure toward the heels or forefoot? And then they can kind of say, oh, yeah, definitely have more pressure in my heels. (laughs) And that's, that's probably the more common response. Absolutely. Anything's possible. So I already know somebody feels it more in, in the heels than the forefoot, then they probably could use a since they're not feeling it in the forefoot, they probably could use some increased awareness. What is it like to put weight in that forefoot? When does that happen during gait? You know, pronation. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and we can get even more granular. Hey, okay, I get that you feel it more in the heels. Do you feel it more on the is right, is there more pressure on the right heel or the left heel? Oh, it's a little bit more on the right heel. Okay, huh. so now there's, so that just says, okay. So they do have a little bit more pressure in the right heel. Let's observe the rest of the body to see why might that be? Are they, are they laterally flexing toward that heel? Are they, have they shifted their pelvis toward that heel? Like what's going on through the whole body? Um, and it also gives us something that we can check in later. Hey, um, where do you feel the pressure now? now? Now that we've done some of these movements, where do you feel the pressure? And I always know we're on the right track. If somebody says, oh, I'm, I, Pretty even. Great. That's exactly what I was hoping. But (laughs) if not, that's fine. That's also good information. It just means we didn't move the right thing. So, so yeah, foot pressure is a really interesting one. So you had a good experience there because you're like, oh, it's it's like on the outsides of the feet maybe, and so you know, it just kind of says, yeah, you got to pronate that foot, learn how to get the weight into that part of the foot. Yes.
0: Yeah. It was really like I was washing dishes one day. I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah that's a great
1: like but that's a great time to just wait a second what i'm observing here i am so unconsciously standing this yeah and it's like oh some reason your body probably prefers that like it's it's where uh, you're familiar
0: i <laughs> incredible. <laughs> <And now you laughs> <could. laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly
0: when it comes i know that every person every body is different but when it comes to runners is there like Two, three, four things that are very like commonalities that you're seeing between person to person. Ooh.
1: Okay. I'm gonna go two directions with this. First is that, you know, as runners, we have we have like I wanna say one job, but it's really two. <laughs> we have we have to be able to pronate and supinate. And most of the time when people hear these words, if they know what they mean. They're thinking about the foot, but let's zoom out and think of, you can think of pronation and supination as leg movements. You could even think of it as a full body experience because your body makes a certain shape. When your foot is pronating, there should be a very specific shape that the body takes on. And then when you're supinating your leg, there's a, there's other shapes that the body creates as you're supinating your foot. So basically our legs have, we have this one job, we need to pronate and supinate. So for me, or a um, mechanic, I might, I might just observe. Can they pronate and supinate? Are they uh, are all of those joint motions happening? And then it's just yes or no. And so if no, and that's you know, usually if somebody's to the point where they're actually reaching out for help, the answer is no. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's like, let's, let's, let's offer them the experience of a pronating leg and a supinating leg. And, and then once they're experiencing that, they're, they're usually quite happy. But that might not be, you know, that's sort of a generic um, solution. We need to be great at pronating and supinating. There can be really good reasons as to why we're not able to access those movements. I've had clients where um, a classic, here's a classic, I've had this a few times where. There are, it's a person who runs who isn't running very much. Maybe they run 10 to 15 miles a week. They've, they've noticed that they get shin splints. And, the, and I'm really talking about well, both kinds of shin splints, in the front of the shin, on the inside part of the shin, it doesn't matter. Um, they've noticed that when they start increasing their running, this symptom, that's really frustrating symptom, starts. And it's happening on both legs. And they're being very responsible. They're not overtraining. They're progressing extremely slowly. And yet this is happening. So uh, one of the clues there is that it's happening on both legs. So anytime I hear about a symptom that's happening on both sides, I'm, I'm very curious as to how their spine is moving. And so spine being like coccyx all the way to skull. Something in that, path is probably not moving. The symptoms on both sides. So let's just check to see as we go piece by piece, vertebrae by vertebrae, are you able to flex and extend and these areas? And so if it's on both sides. I'm really curious about that. And that's proved to be been, um, really valuable. So, so for the folks that have had um, these shin splints or, or symptom that's happening on both sides, I'm just going to speak specifically about the shin Um That's a that's a symptom that happens when somebody can't pronate their foot very well and load into their to their leg. And why might not why might somebody not want to load into their leg? Well, let's say you had a let's say you had a concussion in the past, or um, I was working with a woman who she uh, she was very flexed through her thoracic spine. You know, she had a larger chest, wanted to conceal it. Well, now she's 40 years old and she's been doing that for 30, you know, whatever years. And um, so we just are trying to encourage these body parts to start to move, you know? And just by doing that, you give the body a chance. I mean, both of these people that I'm having in mind right now, they both could actually move their feet really well, like decently well, but they couldn't get their body on top of their foot. So that the foot could actually do what it's meant to do because of these previous well, whether it was injury or just habits, know. Yeah. So yeah, so you have to look at those things. So we really need to be great. All runners really we need to be amazing at supinating and pronating. Um but you know, yeah, the the I'd say just the whole body is, is relevant. Your history is all relevant, and um you kind of just need to get. Get going, get something moving that's not
0: moving. <laughs> when it comes to pronation, you and I both know many shoes out there stop the pronation. So, how, like, what's the conversation that you're having with people for like the whole shoe <laughs> debacle?
1: <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, most clients, <laughs> at least that I can counter, they, well, people love to be told what to do, first of all. And I usually like to have a person figure out for themselves what works best. So um, I, you know, and, you know, surely, you know, oh, gosh, orthotics and things like that, they have their purpose and serve a purpose. And usually just as a generic, I'm my goal is to help somebody move better and better and better. The option or the solution I'm trying to provide is movement options, whereas a shoe that is stiff or an orthotic. Now, it may need you may need this. You know, you, you're working with the podiatrist, and they are prescribing it for a particular reason. But hopefully, there's a long-term strategy in place to maybe progress away from the orthotic. But just in terms of shoes that are stiff, let's say a motion control shoe or a stability shoe. If somebody's dead set and loves it and is feeling great, I mean, guess what? Please enjoy. I'm still going to have you pronate and supinate your foot it's kind of like wearing high-heeled shoes guess what they look great okay they don't they're not great for function absolutely not but if you remind your foot how to pronate supinate you can tolerate these shoes now i'm not telling people the way but, but um, <laughs> all sorts of things like that so so the uh so the stability shoe um yes it is Stiffer and uh, it's going to prevent be- your foot from experiencing as much movement as it potentially can. And that I think your foot is going to be our, our goal, as um, at least as a, as a coach, is my goal is to basically have, enable somebody's foot to be in control of the shoe rather than the shoe being in control of the foot. So again, kind of comes back to so let's remind your foot how to pronate and supinate. And I think it's really wise to do that on a daily basis or close to that, um, and then go from there and, and see if you try different shoes on. Um, you know, if somebody just asked me for a blanket recommendation, hey, what kind of shoes do you like? I'm usually just gonna straight up give, steer them towards a, a moderately cushioned, um, neutral shoe, and then. But the the real answer is, you know, try shoes on and see what feels best for you at the end of the day, I think that's all research really has concluded is that, you know what, if you think it, if you feel great. And it, it works.
0: <laughs> Very true. And I love how we got into the foot and shoe conversations without me even intending to do it. Yeah,
1: it's absolutely bound to happen.
0: <laughs> and I love shoes.
1: <laughs> Believe me. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, But I'm, I'm you know what? I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of shoes and I'm okay with
0: it. <laughs> hey, I'm okay others with others lots of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: But, I mean, you know what I was going to say? There's absolutely value to uh, barefoot style shoes, thick cushion shoes, whatever in the middle, <laughs> um, a steeper ramp shoe, a flat shoe. There's like value to all those things. It's just the right time and the right dosage. And you just have to know like all right, let me come back to my body for a second. Forget about the external stuff. Can I pronate supinate? Yes or no? If no, let's, well, let's work on that. And but, you know, guess what? It feels great to run in some real thick cushioned shoes sometimes. It feels awesome to run barefoot
0: on a grassy field. All all of the extremes, you know, can be very useful. Absolutely. And I think kind of goes into almost like, about training surfaces too like it's good to vary your training surfaces or like sometime like run on that little angle on the edge of the road but like the next day like reverse it so you don't get like stuck there but like it's good to give your body those different challenges yeah the different stimuli
1: so useful
0: yeah imagine if you just ran the same flat path
1: every day (laughs) as i see the hands going up no it's like (laughs) i was
0: thinking that too
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the, the natural variation is so good for us. Um, yeah, just something to be aware of, you know, in your training and in your life. I mean, that's one of the things about our, our you know, our typical minds is that we are, for the most part, on flat surfaces, which is a bummer because our feet are made of like, I don't know, 26 bones or 28 if we're including the sesamoids. And so there's a lot of joint play and those feet are meant to be very movable. So if we're only on flat surfaces, like how boring for our feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, vary your surface and don't stimulate your feet a little
0: Is there anything we have not discussed today that you feel would be really beneficial for the listeners? Um,
1: yeah, you know, one thing that pops up, I think, kind of a lot, is people will, um, well, it's human nature, I think, we, we try to explain our... Um, our current situation, you know, like I'll have clients, they'll say, Oh, you know what? Um, That's probably the shoes. You know, I'm getting this knee pain. It's probably the shoes or I'm feeling this. uh, It's probably because I ran around the track the other day or, you know, and these things. And it's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I would just discount that, but it's also likely, let me rewind a little bit. It's also likely that bigger mechanics are playing a role here. And one of the things that I think actually is really valuable to know, I start um, conversations with prospective clients um, by once I hear about what they're sort of going through. I've, I let them know that, you know, gait or running, walking, if you want the most efficient possible gait pattern, you need access to every single joint in your body and you need in, in all of the ranges of motion that it's, it's capable of. So for most joints in the body, That's three planes of motion. And every single step you take, your joints should experience not the full range of motion, but they're gonna experience the range, their ranges of motion, every step. So in a single step, when you're walking, it takes like 0.6 to 0.8 seconds. Your entire skeleton, all of those joints, I don't know, there's like 360, they all experience movement, potentially. But most of us are lacking some of that, okay. We've had some injuries, maybe a surgery here and there, and so we're we're missing a little bit of of our uh, movement potential. So, you know, it's like, wow, it's a tall order. <laughs> to, somebody says they want to be a more efficient runner, it's like, okay, are you up for this? Because this is not just about putting, um, you know, running barefoot or running tall or running with a cadence of one eighty or. So landing on your forefoot or heel or whatever. This is, a, this is going to be an investigation. It's going to be a process where you're going to have to take some time and work on the little dark places in your body that aren't moving. And so you're going to need, A, some outside help because you don't know what you don't know. So you need somebody else usually to help guide you to these dark places. Or, um, and you're going to have to spend some time um, inviting these areas to move. So um, Kate is amazing. It's uh, all, all of our seem to go through all of our ranges of motion. And so it's just, you know, it's just this journey that we're going to go on that um, <laughs> it's just like life. It's like not going to end, you know, you're, this quest, it's ongoing. You're going to, you're going to fall and, you know, scrape your knee and you're going to hit your head and you're going to have another surgery maybe or something's going to happen. But guess what? Now we know that we can, go and check that area. And can it move the way it's supposed to move? So, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, um, I think it gives hope to, to runners because it's like, look, you you can totally get better. And I don't care that you're 70 years old and you're experiencing plantar fasciitis and, you know, I said, one guy, he's like, oh yeah, the, the doctor told me I'm beyond my expiration point. I should have stopped running years ago, but I love it. And I'm like, you should totally keep running. And, uh, let's, let's start incorporating some of these moves into your diet because, you know, um, I I would love to see you run until you're 99 years old at least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, John, if someone has more questions for you, wants to reach out to you, where can they find you?
1: Absolutely. So my website's called fixyourrun.com and Instagram and Facebook. And you can certainly send me an email address, email. You can send me an email at john at fixyourrun.com. And I'd be happy to strike up a conversation.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John, today for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I really hope you enjoyed that conversation today. And before we close out, I want to share with you a program I have called Resilient Shoulders. As OCR athletes, shoulder issues are very common. And if you are like most athletes, you use the lacrosse ball, you stretch, you do all of these things to try to improve the mobility of the shoulders. And yet you continue to have pain. Many times it's because the right things are not being done to really solve those problems, those underlying issues. And that's why I created Resilient Shoulders. Resilient Shoulders is an online platform that gives you the necessary things to do to resolve your shoulder issues, as well as minimize the risk of more issues happening in the future. So head over to getyourfixpt.com slash courses to check out the Resilient Shoulder course, as well as my other online programs. And once again, thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And now let's go out and be highly functional.